listening to InRay from Control Risks, the global specialist risk consultancy. Each episode of InRay features insights from experts across the world into the most complex issues facing legal and compliance professionals today. Welcome to the InRay Negotiation Series Part 4. I'm Christine Soon, Director of Forensic Services with Contrarist. I'm based in Singapore and look after our Southeast Asia practice. As part of my day-to-day work, I handle various commercial disputes engagements, assisting clients in finding commercial solutions to disputes. Besides being a chartered accountant and a certified fraud examiner, I'm a mediator as well. I have with me today Tungli Susanna, author of the book, The Culture Key, which is a practical guide for global business interactions. And Susanna is the managing partner of developing global leaders in Singapore. Hi, Susanna. Hi, Christine. Thanks very much for having me. Indeed, uh, I've been running uh, DJL for the past 20 years here in Singapore. And just as the company myself, I have been also focusing on three areas. Uh, the first one is inclusion, helping organizations to become more inclusive, creating organization, uh, inclusive organizational cultures. Then we are very passionate about gender equality. So as such, we have been running over 30 women in leadership programs. And of course, uh, culture awareness, which uh, I think is absolutely essential for anybody in international business. And this is what we're talking about today. All right. Thanks, Susanna. In this part four of this podcast series, we will speak about how cultural differences affect interpretations of the same statements and how does it affect your negotiations. Susanna, may I ask you to share uh, with me your first experience of cultural differences? Perhaps not the first, but the most important first one, if I may share a personal uh, story. We have been married with my husband for over 30 years now, so cross-cultural marriage can work, but cultural differences almost put an end to our like budding relationship at the beginning. Um, we were working in the same office, and it was a very small office, so at the beginning we weren't sure are we going to go out really a long time, so we didn't tell anybody that we were going out. And what we used to do when uh, there was a group dinner, I also went home, then we got on the phone and we agreed that we are meeting for another drink. Same thing this particular evening, we are on the phone and I just happened to say, oh Mike, I'm so tired, but let's have, let's have a drink. And then to my surprise, he says, oh no, 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 let's, let's meet tomorrow. Let's meet tomorrow. And uh, I hang up, but I was shocked because I said I was tired and let's go for a drink, which in my Mind means okay. Let's I'm tired. Meet. I'm still. You can go a drink. So if my if I may ask, like which culture or which country does your husband come from? So my husband is British and I am Hungarian. Oh, okay. Uh, clearly a very different. Um, it's 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 also Europe, but very different part of the Europe. Yes, and uh, you know it was interesting because next day I walked up to him and I kind of tried to figure out what was going on. And as I was asking him on his face, you could tell that he had no clue what I was talking about. But then we talked it out and uh, 30 years on, we're still here. Wow. Okay. So if not for you, talk it out with him. So, I mean, who, who knows what happened, right? Yeah, so this is one of the most common cross-cultural issues that we might face. The difference in the communication styles, a direct versus an indirect communications. So in Susanna's culture, it's a norm for him for her to be direct and express her thoughts, intention and request explicitly and straightforwardly. So she just told her husband, okay, 
before before becoming a husband, like potential boyfriend, and to say that, oh, I'm tired, but I'm st- I still want to go for a drink with you. However, this was misinterpreted by her husband, who came from a very different background, who has usually who usually has indirect communication style. So you perceive that oh, that was a polite rejection by Susanna. Okay, so in his culture, it most like a pol- this is a polite way to reject a date. So I'm sure that you have encountered different kind of indirect communications in your negotiation, right, Susanna? So for same statements, it might be interpreted differently. Can you also share with us your experience uh, in a corporate setting instead? Sure. I actually believe that the cultural difference between using indirect or preferring indirect or direct communication styles creates perhaps the biggest challenges of all in international business. The example I could I could give you is when Canadian company was negotiating with the, a Korean, South Korean supplier. And uh, during the meeting, the Koreans were nodding, saying, Yes, yes, we see. Although didn't really ask many questions, but because they seemed positive, at least the Canadians thought it was a very positive uh, meeting. So afterwards, they expected a positive response. Uh Absolutely. And to their shock, the Koreans um, eventually uh, sent an email. We regret to inform you that this time we will not be able to work together with your organization. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I put this into a dispute negotiations context. There were times that I've seen the party in the at the negotiations table, like the party will say, I'll think about that. Sometimes in this certain culture, when you say, I will think about that, maybe it means actually no, um, I'm not going to consider about this. But it's really... It really depends, right? Different culture will interpret that differently. Some culture will just really very direct and say that, yeah, I'll think about it, about it. And they are very serious about it and say that they really think about it. But some is was indirect. It's a polite way to reject the proposal. If I actually may say in Singapore, my favorite is I do my best. Because in a lot of Western countries, I do my best means I am going to do it unless something happens but then i let you know whereas in this context of course it's uh who knows yeah completely different right so we talk about different culture so um when like you quote like the example of south korean as well as the canadian party but given that maybe there's a difference in the cultural maybe it's also a language barrier so would uh actually use of a translator in a negotiation help would it Will that help to bridge the gap and the cultural difference of two different parties? And I understand that it's pretty common, okay, when we use translator or interpreter in a negotiation. Yes, absolutely. It's just not that simple because you have to have the right translator. And maybe if I share a story with you that explains what I mean by right translator. I was present at this uh, purchase negotiation or acquisition rather negotiation as a accounting firm representative. So I was just observing the meeting and my role was afterwards to follow up once the joint venture contract was signed, but it almost didn't get signed. What happened, there was a translator and um, the buyer was big multinational company. What they wanted to buy was a local, small local party, small local organization. They had a first meeting. The local party made a mistake, if you want, (laughs) that uh, they named a number because they just thought, okay, we're just talking. And if it turns serious, then we will actually do some due diligence. 
comes second meeting, so it got a bit more serious. And by then, the local party did their homework, so the number became actually much higher. The, the local party caught a higher number now. Exactly, for, uh, for selling their organization. And uh, the MNC got really upset because they thought the local party was trying to cheat them. They are not serious about this. And the whole thing happened because the translator spoke beautiful English and the local language, but she didn't know the context. So she didn't explain that uh, perhaps due to the lack of uh, experience from the local party side, they actually didn't do any work for the first number. And it was just an estimate. And she didn't explain to the local party that the MNC actually wanted a serious number. So all I could do is to kind of literally, I called for a timeout and just explain to the parties the context of the negotiation. And I was very, very happy that in the end, they actually got back together to the table. But uh, the translator, unfortunately, almost uh, created a disaster there. I see. Yeah, actually, translator may provide a perfect translation. However, sometimes if let's say there was a lack of understanding the local context, okay, the the where the local part, especially when local parties were, was inexperienced in the negotiation deal, then it might create misunderstanding there. So it's important that to actually sort out the objective upfront and the translator himself or herself must be familiar and to understand the objectives of both parties. Because sometimes the parties has different cultural uh, upbringing, may have different interpretations in terms of preparation of a deal. From the local party's perspective, it's like, I only prepare the deal when it comes to the, closer to the finalization stage. But for the MNC, then there, there's, I mean, I mean, the local party can be still genuine on the transactions to, to, to close a deal, but they would like to prepare at the later stage. But for MNC, the preparation work starts at the beginning of the transactions or beginning of the deal. So it's a completely, there's a gap in, in the interpretation of preparation here. Am I right to say that? No, no, absolutely. And, and it was actually terrible to see because both parties wanted genuinely a deal, but there was parallel conversation due to the uh, literal language translation. So I was very pleased when in the end we fixed the cross-cultural differences, we talked about it, and there was a joint venture agreement signed in the end. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Then we talk about um, interpretation of statement. We have spoken about use of translator. How about the certain gesture? For example, silence. In some culture, silence can be viewed as a sign of respect, thoughtfulness or agreement, while in others, it may be seen as a lack of engagement, disagreement or discomfort. So misinterpreting silence can lead to misunderstandings and assumptions during an uh, and a negotiation. So Susanna, can you quote me any example that you have seen of use of silence in this case? I could quote you many, many, and this is perhaps one of the my favorite ones because people don't necessarily think about the fact that uh, cult different cultures have different gaps in communication what, with what they feel comfortable. And the Japanese are examples for like having the most, uh, the longest gap, which they feel very comfortable with between different people speaking. The following case is sad and funny at the same time, because um, there was a leadership team where there was uh, a Japanese as well as an American uh, leader in the team. And the Japanese gentleman noticed that uh, he never gets to say anything. He was waiting for the gap and the gap never happened. So. He could not say what he wanted to say. So he said, okay, I have to do something because I have opinions. I have to do something. 
And then he started contributing. But because he was waiting for this gap, which never happened, he simply didn't know when to say something. And then the Americans complained that this Japanese colleague keeps interrupting them. So it's kind of ironic that he really tried to adjust to the other culture, but the difference was so big that he just didn't know how to. Yes, yes. Because in his culture, it's like for him to speak, he needs to wait for the silence gap. Yes. But the silence gap never happened throughout the meeting and he got no choice. He tried his best to provide his opinion, but he put, he picked the wrong timing to Absolutely. provide his opinion and it led to the misunderstanding that he appears to be rude and like interrupting the meetings. Am I right? Yes, sad, sadly that was the case. Yeah. Thanks, Susanna, for sharing with us how cultural difference has an impact to the miscommunications in negotiations. In my view, such differences can be reconciled. So, for example, you could clarify with an open-ended questions or recap the point that you made by other parties. So, for example, you must end the conversation We say that. Susanna, if I may recap our conversations today, uh, we have spoken about this, 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 and that, right? That's one method. Am I right? No, absolutely. And to be honest, clarifying is, is one of the most important things you do you have to do across cultures and ideally you don't ask was I right is that what you said is that what I said because people still can answer with that I think so so somehow you have to have open-ended questions to clarify and and I really think that the, the best thing is to prepare for any international negotiation even within your own country but be- between different cultures is to be ready Um, and know what kind of cultural differences can pop up and know how to manage them. But, you know, in addition to that, as some of the examples showed as well, you really need to know the context, the background as well. And I think that's uh, your area, actually, Christine. Yeah, indeed. Actually, uh, Controlis has many in-house experts and um, that specialize in the very different specific industries and do analysis of political risk, the countries, as well as the economic risk. I guess combining this with the cross-cultural preparations will actually make a huge difference uh, in the negotiation. Yeah, perhaps um, in the next episode, I would like to invite Susanna to actually share with us how cultural awareness can give advantage in the negotiations. And we will ca- cover this in the next part of the in-ray negotiation series. In this uh, part, we have covered cross-cultural assumptions that may bring to different interpretations. So thank you for listening to in-ray negotiations podcast series. Goodbye. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. this episode, make sure to subscribe and be sure to check out our other podcasts as well, such as Decrypt, the podcast making sense of the cyber and technology issues impacting business. For all our analysis and information about services we offer to organizations worldwide, visit controlrisks.com.